This is the Materials and Megabytes podcast. So, what would you say is something machine learning theorists can do to advance interdisciplinary collaboration with chemists or physicists or material scientists? And also vice versa, what can chemists and other scientists do to advance interdisciplinary collaborations? So, I think um, machine learning experts are direly needed in um, all these domains of science because they they can contribute um, their expertise in terms of statistical learning and um, their, their multiple important. Uh, protocols and insights that were developed over the years in within machine learning um, communities, and um, so it's important for the physical sciences to learn about these uh, lessons learned and to implement uh, the, the correct uh, state-of-the-art models. Um, so I, I believe uh, machine learning experts really. Play a crucial role in that. Now, on the other hand, um, the so-called domain scientists, as the, the computational scientists like to call us, um, they are still crucial in terms of, uh, first of all, welcoming the input uh, from the machine by the machine learning experts. But then they also have to be cautionary and. and provide the correct guidance because in some sense um, it's a mutually beneficial relationship. Uh, it's a little bit like the blind and the lame trying together to cross uh, some field. Um, one has uh, to look out and the other one has to walk. And in similar vein, the the domain expert has to make sure that all the laws of physics and all the rules uh, that are well known with, within the respective domain uh, are being respected. And so I, I don't think that um, either of these two scientists could do the job alone. And so inherently, these um, new um, applications of machine learning and uh, the physical sciences they are inherently interdisciplinary. So I would strongly recommend uh, being open-minded and to be cooperative um, when it comes to collaborations. So following up on that, um, could you elaborate a little bit more on how you use machine learning in your work and what has machine learning enabled for your work that was not possible before? So I think uh, this is a great question. Um, the appealing thing about um, these machine learning models for your, your average quantum chemist is that you can actually systematically converge the predictive power of these models by simply increasing the number of training examples you provide. Um, there's uh, proof, mathematical proof for this fact. And so if you do things right, um, we could actually show uh, in numerous examples uh, uh, 
within our work over the last couple of years that um, this also applies to chemical space and quantum chemical uh, properties. So uh, the advantage of using these machine learning models over traditional quantum methods is that they are dramatically faster. So just to give you an idea, uh, on average, some um, medium-sized molecules such as aspirin would on... Uh, a common uh, laptop CPU uh, nowadays maybe require an hour or so of CPU time to get a decent quantum chemistry estimate, which uh, is reasonably to be expected uh, to be close to experimental uncertainty. For uh, properties such as atomization energies, which measure the content of energy in uh, the, the covalent bonds in, in your molecule. Now, uh, machine learning model, when you execute it, so after training, um, only requires milliseconds. So we are talking about uh, potential speed-ups of six orders of magnitude. Now, that's incredibly disruptive. Typically, uh, or traditionally, when in quantum chemistry, when you manage to accelerate an approximation by a factor of two, you would uh, make a big splash. Talking about multiple orders of magnitude is a whole different, whole new ballgame. Now, um, we have uh, shown for many properties and many systems that this kind of approach uh, really works. Um, so now with these models, we are able to um, screen and study substantially larger uh, domains of chemical space. And uh, we also can study um, the intricate relationships between uh, the various properties as you um, navigate chemical space. Now, um, all of that hasn't been possible so far. But um, I believe we are only scratching the surface right now of what's possible and what is to come in this. Um, and so we are still continuing the development of ever better models, uh, which would crunch out more and uh, more interesting and more sophisticated and more challenging uh, properties of molecules and materials. So please tell us how you got interested in using machine learning for chemistry problems. So traditionally, I um, was really interested in the problem of um, how to better understand chemical space, and in particular from quantum mechanics, first principles kind of uh, perspective. Um, the properties and the behavior of chemicals are dictated by the physics of the electrons. And so I always thought that a, a quantum perspective is, is crucial. Now, at the time, however, when, when I graduated, which was 2005, it was common standard that people would repeatedly perform uh, quantum calculations on uh, very similar materials or on a given material du during molecular dynamic simulations, um, uh, repeating again and again always the same kind of self-consistent field iteration 
typically within density functional theory. So um, when, when I graduated and did my postdoctoral work, I started to think about alternative ways to um, sort of learn from um, past calculations and not to have to repeat these SCF calculations all the time. And so the question arose, how many times do you have to do an SCF calculations until you could possibly infer the solution for a new material or new geometry? And um, uh, I've been working on, on this during most of my postdoctoral research, um, in particular when I was at Sandia National Labs. I used to be a Truman Fellow, and as such I had a lot of freedom to look into all sorts of directions. And at the time I, I proposed, um, I wrote a proposal for a long program at the Institute of Pure and Applied Mathematics at UCLA, um, where they host every every year. They have two long programs, each lasting for full semester. Um, and I, I wrote a proposal for a program um, named Navigating Chemical Compound Space for Bio and Materials Design. Um, fortunately, this uh, proposal was accepted and the program took place um, in 2011, in the spring of 2011. Now, um, at the time, a lot of people participated, uh, including some applied math people. And among those, there were machine learning experts with whom I started to collaborate. And I posed to them this question, what, what if you had, out of the huge number of possible chemicals or molecules or materials, suppose you had... Um, performed quantum calculations for a significant subset, how would you best um, go about um, training some statistical model to infer the solutions for new cases? Now, um, these statistical learning experts advised us to, um, first of all, they told us it's possible to actually do this in a systematic way and in a controlled way, in a rigorous way. And then they told us about um, uh, a specific method called the Kerner-Rich regression method, which is a very well-established sort of default machine learning approach. It's uh, among the, the simplest, but also among the best understood methods out of the toolkit of machine learning methods. Now, um, if things um, work out well for your kernel rich regression, typically you can still afterwards improve things even more so um, with neural networks or, or other uh, machine learning models such as random forests, etc. Um, so we started to collaborate at this long program and um, this collaboration turned out to be very productive. We managed to get um, very convincing numerical results, and uh, the rest is history. Thank you. So far, what have been the biggest challenges of using machine learning methods for chemistry problems? So, um, as mentioned before, uh, these machine learning models, they require training data. And 
Um, in principle, if you wish to develop models which are on par with quantum mechanics, um, the size of chemical space is really practically infinite. There are conservative estimates for medium-sized organic molecules which uh, were published in the literature which exceed 10 to the 60 in terms of number of possible molecules. And that's only a fraction of what's possible in terms of elements in the periodic table. So um, 10 to the 6 is so large, it's actually more than numbers of, uh, more than atoms in the solar system. So you could not even, um, using all atoms in the solar system, you could not even uh, make a hard drive to store the list of all the possible molecules. Um, so seeing that, that space, um, it is uh, impractical um, to ever even hope that we will cover chemical space in terms of training data in a representative matter, manner. Um, so in the machine learning community that exists outside of chemistry, um, for instance, in being involved with image recognition and uh, social networks, the scarcity of data is usually much less of an issue. Um, in chemistry, I would argue, and also in materials and, and biomolecular sciences, I would argue that we have um, uh, an inverse situation where um, we suffer tremendously from scarcity, scarcity of data. Um, in addition to that, um, each data point at a good quantum chemistry level of accuracy um, is uh, quite expensive. As I mentioned before, a medium-sized molecule can easily consume um, on the order of CPU hours. Um, so if, if you think of billions of molecules, that rapidly adds up to substantial CPU investments. So for us, the, the challenge then is to um, design and construct machine learning models which can get away with less data. So um, the data efficiency, the learning efficiency in the model um, is really a crucial ingredient. If you construct a machine learning model which reaches chemical accuracy only at 10 to the 30 molecules in your training set, that's a pretty useless model. Um, you want a model that gets to chemical accuracy with much smaller training set sizes. Now, we have found that in order to obtain improved models, what you really need is to uh, make use of uh, the expertise uh, uh, science and academia has accumulated over the decades in terms of understanding how quantum mechanics works, how quantum chemistry works, how atomistic simulation works. Um, exploiting this expertise, uh, we have succeeded in um, obtaining and generating very promising models which can reach chemical accuracy in organic chemistry space uh, with training set sizes on the order of thousands of molecules. Now, this is just for thermodynamic energetics kind of properties 
um, if you go to reactivity, if you go to other elements, to catalysis, to solvents, to other temperatures, of course, uh, these numbers could change. Well, that's an exciting problem in chemistry that machine learning has not yet been applied to that you'd like to see students work on. Um, the, in my opinion, the, the problem of chemical space um, hasn't been solved yet at all. As I mentioned earlier, we're just scratching. We've been scratching the surface. Uh, we are very much in the beginnings. Just to illustrate the complexity of matters, if you think about the quantum mechanical solution of a given uh, configuration of atoms in space, these um, atoms could arrange um, in, in different locations in space um, to yield a set of conformers. This is, in fact, an entire ensemble of conformers. Uh, we haven't um, sampled this space yet very well with uh, machine learning models uh, at desirable level of accuracy um, throughout chemical space. Now, um, this is a conformational Degrees of freedom are sort of shallow in terms of what is necessary in terms of energies to overcome conformational energy barriers. Um, you can also think about constitutional isomers. If you provide more energies, um, more energy bonds will um, break and rearrange and uh, you will perform chemical reactions. Um, as far as I know, nobody has yet applied uh, machine learning models to predict uh, the energetics of reactions throughout chemical space. This could have tremendous impact. It uh, could possibly even lead to entirely new uh, reaction mechanisms. Now, bear in mind that uh, in organic chemistry, for instance, um, every reaction mechanism carries a name of, of the inventor. So if we had machines to automatize such search um, throughout the reactive um, uh, space of all possible molecules uh, on the grounds of quantum mechanics, this would be amazing. Now, all of this um, sort of has... Uh, happened or, or this discussion so far I've only made reference to what's commonly called the ground state um, potential energy surface. Now um, uh, within quantum mechanics of course there's also excited states, there are different spin states um, and all of these states have different potential energy hypersurfaces, all these hypersurfaces cross and none of this has really yet been studied using machine learning. After that, um, even if you had solved the entire quantum mechanics of all of chemical space, um, which I believe we are still far away from, um, you would still face the problem of how to tie this or how to sample this best using statistical mechanics methods. And um, these... Uh, uh, integrals, these phase space integrals, the averages over, um, your, in your ensembles 
um, also represent very large um, uh, quantities which typically they used to consume equal amounts. They still do consume equal amounts of CPU time as uh, quantum chemistry. So if we could learn um, these uh, statistical mechanical expectation values as well as the quantum mechanical expectation values, um, that would be a fantastic uh, step forward. I believe that in principle, machine learning should um, help us to accelerate the calculation of such integrals, but this uh, hasn't been even started yet for many of these properties. Um, so I think for newcomers to the field to start thinking about how to um, best train and, and generate, uh, construct, design machine learning models for these various um, expectation values, this would be a fantastic um, task and everybody in the community would warmly welcome meaningful contributions in this direction. Um, even if all of that was done, um, there would still be interesting um, aspects lacking in this picture. One of them, for example, um, relates to uh, the uh, phenomenon of uh, long-range interactions. Um, there are some properties and some materials classes where um, actually the principle of nearsightedness or locality um, and real space uh, can break down and to develop methods that seamlessly um, go from one regime to the other. Um, this is still an outstanding challenge in my opinion. Um, after that, um, we also have uh, the problem of nuclear quantum effects. Typically, we neglect them of uh, chirality, um, of solvent effects, predicting phase diagrams of mixtures, in my opinion, is still an outstanding problem. Um, all of these problems will be crucial for um, full understanding of many of the atomistic processes which are underpinning, underpinning the mechanisms how materials and uh, biology and chemistry work. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Materials and Megabytes podcast. We look forward to having you join us again next time.